Thanks so much for checking out this message from LifeGate Church. We hope that God uses this message to encourage you and help you grow deeper in your faith. G'day, thanks for joining us. My name is Nathan. I'm the lead pastor of LifeGate Church. It's a real privilege to have you join with us today. I've got a word around the resurrection of Jesus I want to share with you and why it's so important. But before we dive into the word, let's pray and let's invite God to speak. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the creator, that you are the sustainer of all things, that you are the God of love who chooses to reveal yourself through your son, Jesus. And it's through Jesus' death and resurrection we can have life, life eternal. Father, as we come to your word today, we pray you'll give us ears, hearts open to hear from you, that we would hear your truth and we would be motivated by it to live a life that honors you and pleases and pleases you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I want to start with a question today. Here's the question on the screen. What has been your greatest influence on the world? One more time. What has been your greatest influence on the world? Have a look back over your life and ask yourself this question. I'll give you a few seconds just to think about it because it's a big question. Have a think. What's been your greatest influence on the world? You know, I reckon this is a really important question. If you want to make a difference, if you want your life to count, if you want to leave a legacy, well, then we're deliberately thinking about the influence we're making on the people and the environment around us. And as you ask yourself this question, it might lead you to think, I need to change the way I do things or reprioritize or do things a little bit differently because of the influence that you want to have on the world. As I think about this question, I think about my own life. And as I look back over my own life, I can see some significant moments that I think are great. Uh, one of those is I used to be a music teacher. I taught for nine years in a high school. And, and a couple of years after finishing teaching, an ex-student rang me up, a guy named Ben, and said, Hi, Mr. Green. I just wanted to let you know that I'm studying music to be a high school music teacher because of the influence you had in my life. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And I think it's pretty cool. I also think about the people that I've had the opportunity to disciple, people who are not yet Christians, and I can sit down with them and take them through foundations, which is our um, new believers. It's laying the foundations of the Christian faith. I get to sit down with them and take them through the foundations of the Christian faith, see them commit their life to Jesus, get baptized, become part of our church community, and then eventually become a leader at LifeGate Church. I mean, that's just some of the best stuff. I think about the influence I've had on people's lives through our school of leadership and over four years taking people through it, almost 40 people through that now, and the change that's, make, that's made in their lives as they think more around how can I influence the people around me. I think about the opportunities I've had to speak in schools and at beach missions and at carols events and to present the gospel clearly. I think about the influence I've had on my kids and have had the privilege I had to invest in them and train them and disciple them to be who they are today. But I reckon the best by far was, was, was that I married my wife, Michelle, because I've made her life heaps better. Now, obviously, that's a joke and, and a bit of fun. But I uh, wonder about you. As you ask yourself this question, 
What's been your greatest influence on the world? I wonder what your answer is. Maybe it's how you've helped a friend, helped someone in need. Maybe it's about the influence you've had on your kids. Maybe you've used your finance to be a blessing and help people come to know Jesus. Maybe you've shared your faith with an unbeliever who's become a Christian and you've had the privilege to disciple them and grow up in the Lord. Or maybe you've achieved, you've achieved some success in an area and, you, and you've then had the opportunity to share that with others. I wonder what that is for you. Important question, something worth thinking about. And maybe we need to reprioritize our lives depending on the influence that we want to have and what we're currently doing. As a church, we've been um, looking at the Gospels and encountering Jesus. We've looked at what he taught, who he was, how people responded to him, the effect he had on people's lives. And today I want to talk to you around Jesus' influence. And I don't know about you, but I believe Jesus has, has had the greatest influence than any other person who's walked the planet. We think about Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching has shaped and framed the, the, the culture and the ethics and the morality of our Western society. You think about how Jesus helped people. When he walked the planet, he healed and set people free. He did incredible things. The scripture says he healed everyone who came to him. Um, Israel would have been radically changed as Jesus healed many, many people. But then you have Jesus' followers who choose to take his teaching and set up schools and set up hospitals all around the world and see millions and millions of lives affected and helped because of the teachings of Jesus. But then you have the number of followers Jesus has. I wonder how many social media followers you have. Um, I looked up uh, Facebook and who had the most, so, um, the most Facebook followers. And it happens to be the football player Cristiano Ronaldo. He has apparently over 214 million followers on Facebook. But compare that with Jesus, who, who is believed to have 2 billion followers today walking the planet, not just interested in what he's doing in his life, but actually choosing to follow his lifestyle, choosing to follow his behavior, choosing to have him as the boss of their lives. Jesus is exceptional, remarkable, and, and, and unlike any other. But today I want to talk to you around the most significant moment, the, the most significant event that happened in Jesus' life that has brought the greatest influence to our lives and to the whole world. And it is the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection of Jesus is the pivotal moment of history. It is the most important moment in history. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, a few things happened. Number one is that Jesus defeated death. The greatest problem of mankind was our sin and the, and the result of sin is death. And through Jesus' resurrection, he conquered death and now offers life eternal to everyone who believes in him. Jesus' resurrection, number two, affirms who he was. Jesus declared that he was God in flesh. And people can make many statements about who they are. And many people say, prove it. Well, Jesus proves who he was through the resurrection from the dead. And the third thing we see is that Jesus proves what he says is true through the resurrection. As, the, as, as God walking the planet, proved by the resurrection, what he says is true. When Jesus speaks, that is right, and he teaches us what is right and what is wrong. In our society today, what is right and what is wrong is very blurred. I don't know if you've been watching The Block, the television series. 
And, and, and one of the contestants talks about, this is my truth. This is my version of truth. And that's throughout our society today, what we think is right and what you think is right. And you can have what you think is true and that's okay. But when Jesus speaks, he talks absolute truth. And we find out what truth is as we look at his teaching. Jesus' teaching is proved right through his resurrection from the dead. And you know what? Jesus' resurrection wasn't like a CPR. I don't know if you've ever done any CPR training and you do danger, um, airway, breathing, all that sort of stuff, A, B, C, D, and all the letters. But when someone collapses, you, do, you uh, check them out. And if necessary, you do CPR. You do the breathing and the pumping on the chest until you get those defibrillators and they go, gugung, and bring them back to life again. And they stay alive for another year, two, five, 20, 30, 40 years, but then we die again. Jesus' resurrection wasn't a resuscitation where Jesus came alive and then died again. Jesus came alive and stayed alive. And then he also proved that he was alive to his disciples. As you read the uh, gospel accounts, each gospel describes the empty tomb event where the women go to the empty tomb and the body's not there. But then we have Jesus appearing to his disciples and the gospel writers record it on a number of occasions. We see Jesus appearing, the resurrected Jesus appearing to the women as they were leaving the tomb. You have Jesus appearing to his disciples on a number of occasions, to two of them on their way to Emmaus. Um, on, then you have Peter and John who are fishing and Jesus appears to them as well. And this is so beautifully summarized in 1 Corinthians 15 where the Apostle Paul tells us what is of first importance. Look at what he says here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 3. The Apostle Paul writes, What I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ, Jesus, the title for Jesus, Christ meaning Messiah, died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. That last bit's talking about when Jesus appeared to the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. There's a summary that Jesus rose from the dead and then proved that he was alive by multiple appearings that people would see him. And they would see him as Jesus. Now his body was different to this body, to what he had when he walked the planet. They could see the nail marks in his hands and his feet. They could recognize him as Jesus. But his body was a supernatural body, a body that could eat and talk and touch but it was a body who could walk through walls and appear and then disappear. It was a body that could fly up to heaven, as it says at the end of um, Matthew's Gospel. It was a supernatural resurrected body. And Jesus is alive, came alive, and is alive now at the right hand of the Father. His resurrection proves who he was. And as we look at these, these are resurrection events, we need to ask ourselves the question, this question here. Why is the resurrection so important? And today I want to answer this question in three ways. The first thing I want to say to you, the resurrection is so important, number one, because it affirms who Jesus is. It affirms who he is. Number two, it proves what he said. 
And number three, why is the resurrection so important? Jesus defeats death and offers eternal life. They're the three things I want us to look at today. But before we look at these three things, I want to take you to Luke chapter 24, which is going to be our text today, our main text today. And look at the events of the empty tomb, because some of the stuff that happens at the empty tomb is really important leading into these things. So let me take you to um, Luke chapter 4, and we're going to look at these 12 verses. Let's look at this together. Luke chapter 24. Jesus' context is Jesus has been crucified, he's been buried, and now it's Easter Sunday, it's Resurrection Sunday. On the first day of the week, Sunday, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning, they were angels, stood beside them. In their fright, they bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary, Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering, wondering to himself what had happened. You know, as I read this text, the thing that stands out to me the most is this thought here. The disciples had no expectation of the resurrection. They had no expectation that was going to happen. In verse 1, we see the women, it says, on the first day of the week, the women took the spices. Now, the reason they were bringing spices is because at the time of Jesus, they didn't dig holes and put um, bodies in the ground and cover it up with dirt. They carved out um, the sides of mountains and put bodies in there and rolled a stone in front. And they put spices on the body to cover over the smell of the decomposing body. A bit gross, I know. And so the women came with spices to put on Jesus' body to cover the smell as his body decomposed. They had no expectation that he would rise from the dead. This is also true for the men. In verse 11, it says, when the women went back to teach them, to tell the men all that's happened, that they did not believe in the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter went to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. And he went away, wondering, wondering to himself, what had happened? See, the disciples had no expectation that Jesus would rise from the dead. Even though Jesus said very, very clearly that he would. And this is what the angels say in this text. While they were wondering about this, the women, suddenly two men, two of the angels, gleam like lightning. Interesting description of angels. They were men who gleamed. Not these things that float in the sky with little wings and stuff. They were men gleam like lightning. 
He said, in their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why are you looking for him? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you. Now they forgot about it. They didn't expect it. They didn't hear it, obviously, while he was with them in Galilee. And then the, then the angels tell them what Jesus said. Jesus said, the Son of Man, a description of Jesus, must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Fascinating. The angels declared what Jesus has said, and then the women remembered. And in Luke's gospel, we see a number of times where Jesus tells his disciples that he was going to die and rise from the dead. In Luke chapter 9, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus' disciples have just asked him, um, no, Jesus has asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And we have that, that conversation. And then Jesus tells his disciples this, and he said to them, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. In Luke 9, Jesus said it plainly to his disciples. And then you go over to Luke chapter 18, where Jesus is talking about the kingdom, and he just spoke to the rich young ruler who's asked, how do I answer eternal life? And Jesus, after that, says this to his disciples. He says, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. And then you have this verse, the very next verse, verse 34. And it gives us a glimpse around why the disciples didn't expect it. The disciples did not understand any of this. Why? Its meaning, its meaning was hidden from them. And they did not know what he was talking about. You know, Jesus made it very clear to his disciples that he was going to rise from the dead. But in verse 34, it gives us a glimpse of why they, of why they missed it. Because it says the meaning was hidden from them. It, say, it seems God, although Jesus said it, God didn't allow them to understand it, to see what it meant fully. No doubt because that could have affected what happened. And, and I reckon this whole idea of Jesus, of the disciples not expecting Jesus to rise from, to rise from the dead, actually adds validity to the text. Because if, Jesus, if the disciples expected Jesus to rise from the dead, and once Jesus died, I reckon they would have had a motivation to fake his resurrection. They could take the body away and they could have faked, they could have faked it. But because there was no expectation that he would rise from the dead, I reckon it adds validity to the text because there's no fake in it. These are real events that happen. Jesus' resurrection is real. He promised it. He said it was true. He told his disciples. He foretold it. He foretold that he was going to die and rise from the dead. You know, many people can say many different things about who they are and what they can do. But it's important that we go, well, let me prove it to you. And Jesus proves who he is, what he did through the resurrection of, his, of, of, through the, resurrection of the dead. Now, it's, it's good for us to look at these texts and to pull it apart. But we need to come back to this question. Why is the resurrection of Jesus so important? And as I said to you, I want to talk about these three things as we come towards the end of this message. The first reason is this. It affirms who Jesus is. I remember as a young kid, maybe, I don't know, 11, 12, 10, not sure. 
and going to the bank with mum, no doubt, and I had saved up $3. And I wanted to start my own bank account. And I walked down to the local bank with my $3 and I said to the teller that I want to start a bank account and handed over my $3 to start that account. And the teller said, have you got your birth certificate to prove who you are? Because they wanted me to prove who I am so they can start the account. And friends, nothing's changed. Whenever we get a credit card or a loan, whenever we want to go overseas, we want to sign up for education, whenever we're pulled over by police, not that that happens very often, hopefully, they want us to prove who we are. And the resurrection of Jesus proves who he is. You know, as Jesus walked the planet, he made many declarations about himself. He says that he is the Messiah. Jesus says that he is the Savior of the world. He said that he's come to save the lost. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus says that he's the light of the world, that he and the Father are one. And before Abraham was, I am. He declares that he is God in flesh. These statements are so strong and extreme that many people just wrote Jesus off, thought he was, had a demon or crazy or whatever, and they took no notice of him. But he made all these declarations and he proved it somewhat through his miracles and what he taught, the authority and the miracles. But it's through his resurrection that it proves who he said he was. Because Jesus said it, we just read it in those texts, that I'm going to die and I'm going to rise again. And I mean, people can say that, but really? Who's ever risen again? Not we're talking about CPR. We're talking about coming alive and staying alive for eternity. No one ever has. And Jesus made that declaration, and he's either pulling the wool over our eyes, he's making up some stuff, or it's true. And through his resurrection, it, it proves that he is God in flesh, and what he says is true. That's the first thing I want to tell you. The second thing, the second reason why the resurrection is so important, it proves what Jesus said. It proves what he said. I first studied at university back in 1996, a music and education degree. And I remember one of our early lectures was, was one of the lecturers talking to us about writing um, university papers and how to do a, a bibliography and references. And she talked specifically about our sources. We had an awesome library, which I used the vast majority of the time. But in 1996, the internet was becoming popular. And, and, and the lecturer spoke to us about using resources from the internet. And she said, you need to be really, really careful because anybody can write anything and post it on the internet. If you use articles from the internet, research that's on the internet, you need to check out who the author is and work out if they are credible to see if they have authority to say what they have to say. And the reason I share that story is just like we need to check out um, who an author is and see if we can believe what they're saying, so it is with Jesus. And Jesus' resurrection proves what he said. Jesus told us what is right. He told us what is wrong. And what Jesus' teaching has validity, has credibility because of his resurrection. We've, I've just said that Jesus was, is God in flesh, was God in flesh. Now he's at the right hand of the Father. But as God in flesh, when he spoke, he spoke the words of God. And therefore, he, th those words have authority. He teaches us what is right. He teaches us what is correct. And he teaches us what is wrong and what we should turn away from. And Jesus gives us the way to live. Jesus' teaching, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You can only come to the Father. The only way to the Father is through me. 
Jesus teaches us the way to God. He teaches us how to pray. He teaches us how to live within the kingdom. He teaches us that he wants us to forgive. He teaches us to love our neighbor. He teaches us that it's faith that pleases God. He speaks to us about our identity, that we are the light of the world, that we are the salt of the earth, that we are his children, that we are his friends. And because Jesus said it, these things are true. We can base our life on it. We can live the way that Jesus wants us to live because, of, because Jesus said it. Because his resurrection proves what he said is true. That's the second thing. The third thing and the final thing for today. Why is the resurrection so important? Because Jesus defeats death and offers eternal life. It's through his resurrection that death is defeated. I've only had one speeding fine in my life. It was back in 2004. Michelle and I were engaged and we were youth leaders running this youth ministry at another church. And uh, one of the kids who's been with us for a number of years, one of the key kids was, was having a dancing concert. And she invited us along. And as good youth leaders, Michelle and I went to a dancing concert. And we went to that. We sat through that. That was exciting night. And then on the way home, I was talking to Michelle in the car. And we were driving on Henry Lawson Drive through Peakhurst. And you may know that speed camera on top of the hill. And, and I was driving down talking to Michelle. And all of a sudden, there was this flash. And a few weeks later, I get a bill doing 70 kilometers an hour in a 60 zone. The reason I received that is because I'd done the wrong thing. I was being punished for my wrongdoing. And the reason I share that story is because the punishment for our wrongdoing, the Bible teaches us, is death. In the beginning of Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages, wages is what we deserve for our work. The wages for sin, for missing the mark, for not living in the way that God wants us to live is, is death. The wages of sin is death. And that became true because of the first people's sin. When God made the world, it was wonderful. It was beautifully created. And then the first people sinned. And as a result of that, God said, the punishment for your sin is death. And that death was threefold. It was, phys it was physical death and their bodies started to die. It was death in that they were separated from God. The relationship with God was broken because of sin. And the third thing about death was eternal death, that when we die, the Bible describes of an eternal death separated from God forever. And that's the case for all of humanity. Because our first representative sinned, we are all under this death sentence. But God, but God loved you and God loved me so much that he gave us his son Jesus. And Jesus walked the planet, lived the life we couldn't live, died on that cross for our sin, and then rose from the dead, conquering death. That that death sentence that is over our life can be dealt with, finished, over, because Jesus rose from the dead. He conquered death and now offers as the conqueror eternal life to everybody who believes in him. Look at the second part of Romans 6.23. The first part, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. What God offers us as a gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when you, when you receive the gift, and that's so important, we must receive it to have it as, as our own. When we receive the gift of eternal life, that life starts now. It's a life right now with God in relationship with Him. And when this body dies, 
We then go and be with him forever, in relationship with God forever. Eternal life is not just some event that happens after we die. It starts now. Life with God in abundance. And it says in this verse that this is a gift. This eternal life is a gift that God offers us. And just like any gift that's given to you, it, it's not a gift unless it is being received. And if you want to have eternal life, relationship with God that starts now and goes forever, you need to accept the gift that God has given you, that God is offering you. And that is to put your trust in Jesus and you can have eternal life. Have you done that? Have you accepted the gift that God has given you? If you haven't, or you did once, and you've wandered away from God, and you know you're not living the way that he wants you to, I want you to come back to him today. I'm going to pray a prayer that's about accepting the gift that God has for us. If you want to pray this prayer, pray it with me. Father in heaven, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me and rose from the dead. God, I'm sorry for my wrongdoing. Please forgive me. I choose to follow Jesus all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer from your heart, you've just accepted the gift of eternal life, friends. And that is the beginning of the journey. And we want to help you in that journey, living a life that honors God, that pleases God. Please, if you're watching this online, click on the, play, click on the prayer tab and, and you'll be able to get in contact with one of our team and we can help you in the journey of living a life that honors God out of a response to what he's done for you. You know, I started this message by asking you this question. What has been your greatest influence on the world? And maybe you're going to rethink how you're going to live and I've spoke to you about Jesus' influence and the greatest moment in history when Jesus, through his death and then his resurrection, has defeated death and offers eternal life to everybody who believes in him. I wonder, I wonder if, and my hope is that your greatest influence will include the message of the resurrected Jesus and the gift, the free gift that God offers people, that when we put our trust in Him, He offers me and He offers you and everyone on the planet eternal life to everybody who puts their trust in Him. What greater influence could you have than to offer this truth to the world around you, to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors? That we have the best news, that death is defeated through the resurrection of Jesus. And it's through his resurrection he offers eternal life. And we can have that as we put our trust and as we put our faith in Jesus. My hope and prayer for you is that your greatest influence on the world will include the message of the resurrected Jesus. I'm going to pray and then we're going to finish up today. Father, I want to thank you for the resurrected Jesus. I want to thank you that it's through the resurrection that it affirms who Jesus is, that he's God in flesh. It's through the resurrection. It proves what Jesus said is true. Jesus, God in flesh, speaks true and we can base our lives on what is true. And it's through his resurrection that death is defeated. The greatest curse that's been over humanity, death for eternity, that has been broken through Jesus' resurrection and that is offered to each one of us. 
Father, help us to see the reality of this truth, that we would grab a hold of this truth and we would offer this truth to the people in our world, the people that we love and care about, that this truth, that we would influence people with this resurrection message, that people can have eternal life through Jesus. Father, put a boldness in us, put a passion in us to present this message to your world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for being with us. It's a real privilege to share the most important event in history, the resurrection of Jesus with you. Take it with you and influence the world with this message. Bless you. Thanks for being part of it. Thanks so much for checking out this message. LifeGate Church has people meeting in person and online in many different locations, and we'd love to help you get connected. My name is Andrew and I lead our online team here at LifeGate Church and it's our job to do exactly that. We'd love to support you, help you get connected and find out how you can take your next steps. So why don't you head to lifegate.org.au slash online and we'd love to find out more about you and how we can serve you as a church. Thanks for checking out this message and we'll catch you soon.